you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. So, you want to recap game three? Uh, sure, let's do it. What the mo- Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every... I'm just kidding. I'm going to recap the whole game. Don't worry about it. But the Celtics lose 104 to 103, and they are still luckily... (sighs) I just can't believe it. I really can't. But they're up 2-1 to in the second round of the Eastern Conference. Semi-final playoff matchup extravaganza against the Toronto Raptors. And we're going to try and break down the whole thing. I'll try and give you an idea or a preview of what I think will be better for for the things that they need to do in Game 3. And... We'll move on with our lives, and hopefully, you know, last night the Celtics got a good night of sleep. Hopefully the Celtics realize that it's not the end of the world. Hopefully they realize that maybe they actually needed a loss like this. Maybe they needed to kind of face some adversity, because I don't think the starters have lost a game since they lost that Heat game, which seemed like, I don't know, what, months ago, weeks ago? I think that was on, like, August 4th or 5th or 6th, so about a month ago, the last time these guys lost, so I'll be... It's really all going to be depending on how these guys react, and obviously the way Jalen reacted after the game and obviously the way Jason reacted after the game were good things. So, But the question is, can they do that on the floor? Can they, you can say it, but can you, you, you do better? They're just going to have to do better. So great job by them taking blame, but you just got to move on. So let's just break down the game, and if I go off on some tangents... Uh, in the words of One Republic, maybe it's too late to apologize, but we'll figure it out. We will figure it out. All right, so right off the bat, you know, you notice Kyle Lowry was very aggressive to start the game by going to the hoop. He scored, I think, 10 points in the the first, like, five minutes of the game. He really took advantage when Kemba was guarding him. You know, he just used his body. He Kyle Lowry does use a great job of using his body, getting contact, and which then creates space to get easy laps. But Kyle Lowry complaining literally drives me nuts. I didn't agree with the Tice flagrant, and to be honest with you, I didn't agree with the Pascal Siakam flagrant on the Time Lord either. I think the NBA has turned into such a soft-ass league. Neither of those, neither, and I will repeat this again, neither of those were flagrant foul calls. But just the way that Kyle Lowry complains, it's, I know I talked about maybe a podcast ago or two podcasts ago, but it it is so annoying. Like, I understand Marcus Smart, for opposing teams is very annoying with the way that he flops. But Kyle Lowry, the way he complains, it oh, it drives me cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It really, really does. 
All right. So besides Kyle Lowry, you know, really carrying the Toronto Raptors for a lot of that game, especially in the first quarter, thankfully, Marcus Gasol missed a lot of wide open shots. Nick Nurse said before game three that they were really focused on getting Marcus Gasol involved on the offensive end of the floor. And they tried and he got a lot of shots. And thankfully, he missed a lot of them as well. He didn't get as as um, into foul trouble as much as we would have liked to get him off the floor. I think the Raptors are a better team with Marcus Gasol on the floor than Serge Ibaka at times. I'm not saying all the time, just at times. But thankfully, he missed a lot of shots. They were all outside the paint, but thankfully he did do that. Um, one of the things that really bothered me during this game was Jalen Brown. I don't understand when he catches the ball when he's wide open and he has a defender closing out on him, and I know he can get the shot over him, and I know Jalen's a pretty good shooter. I'm not saying a great shooter, but a pretty good shooter with when he has a hand in his face. Why he always hesitates. I feel like he hesitated every single time he touched the ball. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason why they lost, but I'm just saying that for someone who has been playing as well as he has been in the bubble and has, for, for someone who is shooting the ball as well as he is in the bubble, why is he being so hesitant? Why why are all these pump fakes going up and down, up and down? No, shoot the freaking ball. And, you know, because of that, because he was hesitant, then he kind of overthought things. He made some bad passes, and he had some bad turnovers, and it just drove me nuts. But with that being said... I thought his defense throughout the entire game was fantastic. He had three or four blocks. He, I thought he did a f- phenomenal job on Pascal Siakam. I understand that Pascal Siakam, again, I think this time he went 6 of 15 or something like that. Or Yeah, he went 6 of 15. So, oh, again, Pascal Siakam only scoring 16 points is, is a good thing for the Celtics, you would think. But the other thing that I thought Jalen Brown did really well was the fact that he had 12 rebounds. I mean... Kemba only had three rebounds. I feel like Kemba's been really uh, rebounding the ball very well. The Time Lord had seven rebounds, but Jalen Brown, 12 rebounds, four blocks. That's good, but I feel like he could do a lot more offensively for this team. I understand he scored 19 points. He scored more points than Tatum, but if he wasn't so hesitant on those couple three-pointers that he took, I feel like if those things go in, there could be a, a different ball game. Another reason why it could have been a different ball game is Shemi did come in before Grant Williams, but in this case, I was okay with it because obviously you can't bring in Romeo Langford when the Toronto Raptors bring in Norman Powell so early. I think this was the earliest that the Raptors have brought in Norman Powell so far into the game. And you just can't bring Romeo Langford in because Brandon Clark was fourth in rookie of the year voting. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to mention that, huh? You thought the buzzer beater was going to be... The only thing that I talk about in this game? No. But the Rookie of the Year was given out last night. Congratulations to John Morant. And guess who came in fourth? Fourth. 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 Brandon Clark. Romeo Langford? I'm, I, I, I don't know if my sheet cut off. I don't know if like the, the picture on my phone and my computer just cut off. But I didn't see Romeo Langford anywhere. So so I just thought that was, uh, I don't know, I just thought that was really weird. I just thought that was really weird that Brandon Clark was fourth and Romeo Langford like 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 wasn't on there. It was just it was just very weird. But anyways, so Shemi coming in, they brought because they brought in Powell because let's be honest, Grant is too slow to guard normal uh, to guard Norman Powell. So that like I kind of get. He did hit a nice long open three, so I was okay with some of those minutes. But Shemi only playing six minutes and Grant Williams playing eighteen minutes. I mentioned that in last week's episode that I'd like to see Grant Williams more, and Grant Williams was a plus le- uh, plus 11. Now, I know those plus minuses really don't mean a lot, but I feel like they kind of do a little bit in close games, and Kemba was a plus 11, and Grant Williams was a plus 11. So the Grant Williams did get more minutes than Shemi, which I really liked, and I, I enjoyed that dearly. 
uh, the in the first and second quarters, the the Celtics I felt like had a lot more lazy turnovers that led to fast break hoops. Mark got pickpocketed um, when he wasn't paying attention. Anobi, you know, got down the court. Obviously, the hustle the Celtics hustled back a little bit, and he got free throws out of it. But those lazy turnovers were they were still there. Obviously, they did a much better job in the third and fourth quarter, but they were still there. And before we move on, I just I just want to let you know. The refs were terrible on both sides. I'm not blaming the officials on why the Raptors almost lost that game, and I'm not going to say that the refs were the reason why the Celtics did lose that game. The, the I thought the refs sucked just on both ends. I just thought there were some very debatable calls. It's I understand it's very bang bang type of plays and you you never know how to how they're going to react to it and stuff, but I don't know. If you no one can complain about the refs in this game because I thought those flagrant calls were absolutely BS. Uh, some of the other things in the first half that I, I really enjoyed, Kemba carried the team in the first quarter with 14 points. He went to the free throw line, I think, five or six times. He made them all. He obviously played a much different game than game two. He hit a buzzer beater at the end of the first. He hit a buzzer beater at the end of the second. He got back so well after a long rebound and picked up a charge on Van Fleet. I feel like Kemba's defense is sneaky good in this series and really has been all year. I think he's definitely defending more. Um like than Kyrie was, and I, I really try not to bring up Kyrie, and I feel like I've done a phenomenal job of it, but in that in that game yesterday, you could literally see the what Kyrie was in against the Bucks series and what Kemba is in this series against the Raptors, and that's really all I'll say about it, and we'll move on, but for Kemba to finish with 21 points in the first half, which is more than any Raptor player has scored in one single game, moving on to that point, obviously that has changed a little bit with the fact that Kyle Lowry dropped 31 and Van Fleet dropped 25. But I was really, really impressed with Kemba. I mean, him only scoring eight points in the second half. Obviously, Nick Nurse made some changes, and Kemba did as much as he could for the Celtics to win, especially that incredible pass to Tice that we'll talk about in a little bit. But I thought Kemba... We have yet to see a full 48 minutes from one of the Celtics' big three, whether it was Jalen, Tatum. I just feel like none of them have really given us a full 48 minutes. You know, there are times where, like, Tatum will only score four points and then he'll drop 20 in the second half. But why can't you drop 20 in the first half and 20 in the second half? So I feel like eventually, eventually, hopefully praying that it will happen sooner rather than later. And no better time, no better time than game four. Um, The Time Lord. I thought the Time Lord filled in very well once again. I mean, seven boards, three assists. Sure, he only had three points, and he missed a shot. So there goes the streak. I think he's now 11 of 12 in the series overall. But one of the things that I was really annoyed with with the Time Lord, and I feel like he could have had seven or eight points in this game, is when he sets a screen, sometimes he doesn't roll hard enough to the basket. And I feel like he's missing out on some opportunities for some easy alley-oops. He has to roll harder and stronger because they can lob it up to him. But I feel like he just sets the screen and just watches. It's almost like he like pauses in motion and it's just like, eh, whatever. I don't care. Not that big of a deal. And I just feel like that's very, 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 very annoying to, to be completely honest with you. But it's okay. He will learn. He will get better. And that dunk that he had on Pascal Siakam was sick. That was absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What else did I want to talk about? Uh, this, I thought the Celtics' defense in the second quarter was really good. I thought there were no easy shots for the Raptors. I think they gave them different defensive looks that kind of, 
you know, drove him nuts a little bit. It did kind of help Kyle Lowry play more bully ball. Uh, luckily, the Celtics went on an 8-0 run to extend their lead 2-7, thanks to Jalen scoring a couple hoops and Van Fleet complaining and getting that technical. But, you know, after Van Fleet got a couple hoops, Marcus Smart scored five straight points, which was great, if I remember correctly. And then the Celtics, I mean, in the last two minutes, they didn't do great, but they survived. Um, I honestly feel like if the Celtics finished that second quarter a little bit better, things would have been a lot better. Um, but again, they won another quarter and what are we 12 quarters in? And I think the Celtics have either won or tied eight out of the 12. So, you know, obviously that gives you confidence going, going into game four, uh, the, the second half, I mean, the Celtics, you know, got outscored 29 to 23 in the third and then 24 to 23 in the fourth. So to get outscored by what, 11 points, um, or 12 points, I mean, not not great, Bob. Not great, Bob, at all. But Siakam came out strong uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, or, yeah, no, Siakam came out strong, got a couple buckets in a row. I feel like the Raptors did a lot of trapping with Tatum. He got out of them nicely, but the Celtics had a hard time reacting to how the Raptors would recover to them double-teaming. I, You know, Tatum, once again, had six assists. I feel like Tatum's passing the ball very, very well. Obviously, his nine rebounds helped, too. But they they. They did a great job trapping by playing zone, and again, the Celtics can't figure it out, and I'll talk about that in a, in a couple minutes, but Tatum, I felt like Tatum wasn't really going hard to the rim in this game, and I feel like that's the only way he'll get to the free throw line. Was I expecting him to have 14 or 15 free throws again? No, but he needs to have more than six, he, and he missed a couple free throws. Four four of six from the line, if Tatum makes his free throws like he made all 14 in game two or game three, or I can't even think about what game it is because that shot is just in my nightmares. But Tatum needs to go to the free throw line more, which means he has to go to the hoop harder. And I just feel like there were a couple times where he's just trying to avoid contact. And when it goes in, he doesn't complain. But when he avoids contacts and he misses it, he complains. And it drives me cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But the Raptors didn't match. I mean, the Celtics didn't match the Raptors' intensity in the third quarter at all. I feel like the Celtics were just like, la-da-da-da-da. And it, it didn't do that at all. And that was very, very annoying. But I think the most annoying thing about this entire situation in hand is the fact that Ennis Cantor came in for Daniel Tice in the third quarter. And I felt like at that point, that is when it spiraled. The Raptors went on an 8-2 run and took the lead. And it just absolutely drove me nuts. So when you think about it, right off the bat, off of the pick and roll, Serge Ibaka hits a three. So you're like, okay, my God, get Tice out of the game. And then the Celtics missed a shot. Raptors come down. Van Fleet, pick and roll. He lays it up and in because all you can really do with Ennis Cantor is play zone. But I, I understand why Brad did bring him in, like offensively. I, I, I really do. Because the way that they were playing their triangle zone, which is, you know, three three guys up top with a triangle, and then you play man-to-man about the two guys that you're worried about the most. So in this case, it would be, you know, Tatum and Kemba. And, you know, you really don't care about anyone else. But with the fact that Ennis Cantor is so good in the post – and he has such good hands down there and such good touch down there, too, that <clears throat> I understand why Brad brought him in. Because, I mean, Cantor, you know, did get, what, four points, five points? Yeah, I think he, yeah, he got four points and one rebound, but and but he was a minus four. And I really and truly think that those Ennis Cantor minutes are unexcusable from Brad Stevens. Brad, I think Brad Stevens has a lot to blame on in this game. I do not want to see Ennis Cantor in this series again. He worked well with the 76ers because you know you can guard Joel Embiid because 
That's just the way that it is. But there are so many quick athletic guys that the Raptors have that Cantor will get absolutely torched, torched off the pick and roll, and it showed in that game. Now, if the Time Lord was in, would things be different? I don't know, because maybe we are hyping up the Time Lord a little bit too much, but I honestly don't know. But the Celtics still end up losing the third quarter, but they go into the fourth quarter with a four-point lead, so you're saying to yourself, well, they were down six, seven, eight in game two, so I, I feel like that's a good thing. I feel like that's a good thing. But Van Fleet starts out the fourth quarter with back-to-back threes to go up by two, and then... <clears throat> Brad put more debatable decisions on the table for all of us to think about where Grant Williams was covering Pascal Siakam. No. No, 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 no. Now, he got a couple points off of that, and that's okay, but the, I felt like the Celtics reacted very well to it. And There was one time there was a loose ball. Kemba got it. He dove on the floor, picked it up, dribbled. Uh, Time Lord set a screen. They, I think Van Fleet and Gasol trapped or it might have been Ibaka, but two guys trapped Kemba very well. He somehow got the ball to the Time Lord. Time Lord dished it over to Grant Williams with a backdoor cut, and that is going to be important going forward, which, again, I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I thought the Raptors shot the three ball very well in the second half. I think they went like 8 of 16 or 8 of 18 or something like that, and that is how the Raptors usually look. I think we can all agree if you were to look at statistically or if you were to just look at the game film, of the Raptors in the bubble, uh, in the playing games against the Nets, and in the regular season before the bubble happened, they are a pretty good three-point shooting team. Not great, pretty good, and their three-point shooting has hurt them in the first two games. It did not hurt them in game three, well, at least in the second half, and that's when it mattered, and that's why the Celtics lost. But towards the end, when the Celtics went on that 8-0 run, they were so good on defense. They There was literally no second chances allowed. You know, sure, there was some missed shots by Kemba and Tatum to help them extend the lead, but that pass by Kemba with 0.5 seconds left was absolutely bananas. Absolutely bananas. I really thought the Celtics had had it won. And then the final play of the game. Okay. There's a lot of people to blame. So let's start with the coach. I don't understand why they were worried about the inbounder. If there were three seconds left, I get worrying about the inbounder because that is enough time for Kyle Lowry to pass the ball, run you know, run back in, get a screen, and then catch off of, off of a pass and shoot. I get that. Fine. So why bring in Taco? I understand Taco's so cool. He's so tall. He's so much fun. I'm over it. I'm over it. Taco had to do one thing. Stand up as tall as you possibly can. That's all he had to do. Don't move your feet. Nothing. Just literally put your hands in the air. Stand straight up. That's all he had to do. But he kept moving his arms around. Why? 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 Just stand straight up. The second he saw Van Fleet curling, he took a step back. And the second he took a step back, Lowry threw the ball. He just had to put his hands up. All right, who are we blaming next? Jason Tatum. I understand usually if you go back and you look at the film and all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Usually the Celtics play a zone 
for inbound plays. Usually they do. But when you're out, the, the people that were out on the floor, like for example, Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol was at the free throw line. I'm not worried about Marcus Gasol because if he shoots a two, we're going to overtime and we're going to win. Okay? That's just the way it was going to happen. But Jason Tatum just leaving Anobi to just be like a TLC song and be like a creep. Yeah, just creeping on the baseline. And he just creeped all the way. He just creeped all the way down. And Marcus Smart was pointing and yelling and pointing and yelling and pointing and yelling to watch out for Anobi. And for some odd reason, Jalen Brown ran into Marcus Gasol because he's to blame too. And Anobi got the ball and shot him. So I think the only part, and then, you know, when you actually look at it, when Anobi caught it, Tice and Tatum are, like, covering each other. They're not covering anyone on the Raptors. So I think Brad's to blame. I think Taco's to blame. I think Jason's to blame. And I think Jalen's to blame. So I think there's a lot of blame all around for that final shot. With that being said, I was really happy with how Jalen Brown reacted after the game, calling it a fucking disgrace. Lack of communication. They have to do better. But the question is, can they react to it? So... Let's break this down a little bit more. The five things I wanted the Celtics to do in Game 3 in hopes that they would win. Stop being lazy with the basketball. They didn't do the best job in the first half, but overall, I thought they were better the rest of the way. They only had 15 turnovers. So again, that's improvement from the 23 and the 17. So we're making baby steps there. Don't let a poor shooting night frustrate you. Marcus Smart was 2 of 9 from 3. Tatum went 5 of 18. Marcus Smart going 2 of 9 for 3 was the most predictable thing known to mankind. Like, Marcus Smart only scoring 11 points was, again, the most predictable thing of all time. Uh, I heard that Marcus Smart, like in Vegas betting, like the over-under on his points was 12. I would have taken the under. Because, of course, Marcus Smart wasn't going to play well again. He shot 4 of 15. Like, Marcus Smart taking 15 shots. Jalen Brown taking 15 shots. Kemba Walker taking 15 shots. That should be Kemba Walker taking 20 shots. Jalen Brown taking 20 shots. And Marcus Smart taking 10 shots. So a little bit of the blame is for Marcus Smart. I really and truly believe that, like for real. Like he was second on the team in turnovers with three. Jalen Brown had four. I already talked about that. But Kemba did pick up the slack, and I don't think anything was really frustrating on the end of Marcus Smart. It was just frustrating the fact that you knew it was going to happen. So that kind of sucked. Um, how, will the Celtics keep up their defensive pressure? I think they did for the second and third, the second and fourth quarter for a lot of it, but they just couldn't. But they couldn't in the first and the third. I don't understand why the Celtics suck in the third quarter against the Toronto Raptors. It's absolutely driving me nuts. But it is what it is. Beep, and then another one was be prepared for them firing. I didn't think they shot the ball very well in the first half, but they did in the second half. I thought they came out again. They had, like, that seven-point lead very early. The Celtics weren't rattled by it. They took the punch. They moved on. At halftime, the Raptors shot 5 of 22 from 3, and then they finished 13 of 40. So that literally means they went 8 of 18, which was, what, 44%? And then overall in the second half, they shot 56%. But for the entire game, they shot 46%. So that means they shot the ball poorly, very, very poorly in the first half. And I think that was because of the Celtics' defense. But something that they need to figure out is OG Anobi, or, how, or Anobi Anabi, however you pronounce his name. I think it's Anobi. OG Anobi. He's 7 from 11 from 3 in this series which is another reason why them just letting him creep down the baseline is so infuriating because, sure, Van Fleet was 5 of 13 from 3 in the game and Kyle Lowry hit a couple late, but he's their best shooter so far in this series, and you just let him creep by. And the other thing was, like, that ball, I don't know if it was me, 
But that ball felt like it was in the air for 45 to 50 years, minimal. And somehow Jalen Brown still didn't get over there. I don't know. This is absolutely crazy. So when you think about it, stop being lazy with the basketball. Celtics did an okay job. Don't let poor shooting frustrate you. I don't think they let that happen, so that was good. I felt like they kept up their defensive pressure at times, but not the whole game. They were prepared for them, you know, shooting well in the first half, but I don't think they were prepared for it in the second half. And then finally run back and set up your defense. I thought for the most part the Celtics did do that, but there were times where they didn't, and the Toronto Raptors had 14 fast-break points to the Celtics too, which is completely and utterly unacceptable, if you ask me. They, I've been preaching this the entire series. You cannot let them score more than 10 points on the fast-break. They scored 14. You only scored two. Not acceptable. That has to change. So I would say they did two out of the five things that I was hoping that they would do in Game 3. Overall in the series, which team leads fast break points? That was the Raptors, so we lost that one. Brad Stevens versus Nick Nurse. I thought Brad Stevens made some horrific decisions in this game. I thought this was probably one of the worst Brad Stevens games in the bubble coaching-wise that we've seen. And we all know that I am team Brad Stevens. I would take a bullet for that guy. And his white polo last night, absolutely fire. I would. I wish I had that yesterday or two days before that. That thing was... That thing was sexy. I, I enjoyed that, no doubt about it. So Nick Nick Nurse won that battle. So right now it's 0-2. Siakam versus Tatum. I didn't think either were that great, but I feel like you would take Tatum in this situation. you know. But again, I don't know. Uh, I felt like Tatum's six assists and his nine rebounds were really good. Um, but obviously 5 of 18 shooting versus 6 of 15 shooting for Siakam. So I, I guess we'll call that a push. The guard play, the Celtics lost. Lowry and Van Fleet were absolutely unbelievable. The two combined for 56 points compared to Marcus and uh, Kemba, who only combined for 40. And I know points are in everything because Kemba was unreal. That pass was unreal. It's just Marcus Smart wasn't great, but I was expecting it. And you actually saw how well Kyle Lowry and Van Van Fleet played. I'm very interested in Kyle Lowry and his ankle. He played 46 minutes. That means he only sat two minutes. But when you look at Jason Tatum, he played under 40. Jalen Brown, 40. Kemba, 39. Like, I need more minutes from Tatum. He he only had one personal foul. I need more minutes from Tatum. But maybe they're saving him up because they know the series is going to go along. Who knows? And then finally, the bench. The Brad went 10 guys deep. Not 10 guys deep in the bench, but literally 10 guys played yesterday. One, two, three. If you include Taco, he played 11 guys. And by the way, Zero minutes minus three for Taco. That's iconic stuff. Really is. But the Celtics bench did outscore the Raptors bench 20-10. to 10. Powell had eight. Ibaka had two. I think it was Ibaka's worst game in the series. Norman Powell hit a couple threes late, which was, I think, confidence-wise very good for him. So I'll see how he reacts in game four. So I, I think overall um, the Celtics won one out, of, one out of the five things, and it was the bench scoring. Who would have thought? Who would have freaking thought? All right. So... What did the Celtics have to do to win game four? In my opinion, I am not an expert. There have been some times like that I'm right, like Brandon Clark, who was fourth in Rookie of the Year voting. But here we go. Number one, you have to limit the fast break points. Again, maybe, maybe this isn't the number one thing, but again, this is just my notes. The first thing I wrote was limit the fast break points. Lowry and Van Fleet love to get rebounds, and they love to just go. And you have to match that. You have to get back. I feel like Kemba needs to be prepared to be a little bit more physical with Kyle Lowry because the second Kyle Lowry sees Kemba Walker, you know, and he's eight, nine feet from the 
from the hoop, Kyle Lowry is going to use his big butt and post him up. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of Brad Wanamaker because I feel like physicality-wise, Brad Wanamaker can handle the bully ball, the Philly bully ball that Kyle Lowry brings to the floor. Next one. Be prepared for Siakam to go off. He is due, but control the, control their other guys. Lowry, Siakam, and Van Fleet during the season averaged 60 points a game together. This game, they finished with 71 combined. Okay? So... Average of 60, this game 71. So if Siakam does go off for, let's say, 30, Van Fleet can only get like 10 or 15, and Lowry can only get 20. Okay, it's it's got to be something along those lines. You can't let those guys get off. But I really and truly think Pascal Siakam is due to go off. But if he does, you have to limit, whether it's Anobi, Lowry, Van Fleet. I really feel like if Lowry just didn't go off the way that he did. I mean, Kyle Lowry took 23 shots, and if he didn't go off the way that he did to start that game, I feel like we'd, I'd be in a much better and different mood. All right. The next thing on my list, no NS Cantor. I, I, listen, I think we all love Cantor banter. I think it brings us great joy to listen to Cantor banter every week, but I don't want to hear it. I don't. I don't want NS Cantor in the game. I don't. Not in this series. Not in this series. Maybe in the next series, maybe, again, maybe, but not in this series. It's Time Lord and Tice. That's it. Time Lord, Tice, Grant, and you might have to play a little bit of small ball. That's it. That's it. The next thing, I only got two left. You have to figure out their triangle zone. They played it again in the third quarter, and again, the Celtics just shit in their pants. The backdoor cuts on this zone will work every single time, especially if, if Gasol is the bottom part of the triangle. If you can get to the foul line and both wings can cut to the basket, I promise you, you will get a lot of layups. I, re- I, I will take that to my grave. Backdoor cuts against that triangle zone will go, will work wonders. The Celtics got 50, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, the Celtics got 50 points in the paint. They scored 103 points. That's literally half their points. So they have to do that again. They have to do that again. The walkthrough today, if they have a walkthrough today, which they freaking better have a walkthrough, it better be all about their triangle zone because Nick Nurse knows that the Celtics are having a hard time with it. They're blitzing very well at the top. Kemba does a good job with it. Marcus Smart, it scares me a bit. Brad Wanamaker's okay with it. Tatum's done a much better job with it. But these guys have to be prepared for this triangle zone. They really and truly do. And I I think that's going to be the, the second most important part of this basketball game on Saturday night at 6.30, is that triangle zone. I will take that to my grave. And then finally, be aggressive. Play with some urgency. Don't let that loss get to you. The Celtics' first loss in six playoff games, you have to battle through a loss like that. You cannot lose this game. I'm going to say that again. The Celtics cannot lose this game. The Raptors are too good. They're a veteran, well-experienced championship team. And this series, by about 9 o'clock on Saturday night, cannot be 2-2. You have to match their confidence after a game like that because they're going to come out strong. They're going to go, that wasn't a fluke. And you have to prove to them that it was a fluke. Come out strong. Like, I'm talking, you need to come out like you did in game one. You need to have them rattled early. You, the Celtics, cannot lose this basketball game. If they do, I am going to be petrified the rest of the way. The Celtics have four games 
to win two, where they could have had four games to win one. Saturday night is the most important game in that series. If the Celtics win on Saturday night, they win the series. If they don't, I don't know what's going to happen. They have to brush that Anobi buzzer beater off. Everyone took blame, and they have to move on. They haven't faced any, um, any. oh my God, what's the word that I'm looking for, Timmy G? What's the word that I'm looking for, Timmy G? Anyways, they haven't really faced a loss like this, and it's all going to be how they react. It really and truly is. So they better react really good. But again, they cannot lose this game. And that's it for episode 87 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I really appreciate everyone listening. As always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Wear a mask. Black Lives Matter. Wash your hands. We'll talk soon. 6.30, Saturday night. Thanks again for listening. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.